0: to close out this series today. And so today we're closing out this parenting for the long haul. All right. And uh, Pastor Chris, we've had a couple different people speak uh, in the series, and that's been really intentional. Uh, Pastor Chris shared with you this concept of what we mean by parenting for the long haul. And that is what we believe the Bible talks about in terms of parenting. It's not just for parents. It's for anybody who um, is has been a child of a parent, so you know. Again, that's everybody in the room, right? Everybody's a child of a parent. You know, it's also for how we see God, uh, in terms of how we view God, in terms of how He kind of parents us, and for how we have an influence on the next generation. But the word that came to life as we were talking about this series, as Pastor Chris shared the first week, was the word legacy. That a legacy comes from consistency over the long haul, and so many of you. May, may have experienced maybe a negative legacy in your family. It could be because of broken homes. It could be because of uh, just what consistently showed up in your home. Maybe it was anxiety and worry. Maybe it was anger. You know, maybe it was what consistently showed up in your home was, you know, your parents or people in your life just kind of lost their mind anytime something happened. You know what I'm talking about? Like just lost it. There's also legacy where, I mean, I'm on the back end of a uh, child of the 70s and 80s where, you know, children really weren't uh, real people. And so, you know, they didn't have rights or, or anything like that when I was growing up. And so, and they kind of started to change while I was getting older. I was like, this isn't right. This is not how I was raised. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of changes in terms of culture, in terms of kids. But we as, as Christians, we believe that there really hasn't been a change in terms of what we've been called to do in terms of leaving a consistent legacy, in terms of how God views us and how we want to invest in the next generation. We wanna have something consistent in terms of faith over the long haul. So over the last couple weeks, just a quick recap, I can't give you all of it. (coughs) Hopefully you'll go back and listen to Pastor Chris and Don share. The first week we talked about not parenting in isolation. Like this is something that's come up pretty recently we're staying connected via social media and text and so forth and so on, but we really are losing that village mindset of, again, doing life with other people and raising these kids in a village because you do need a village. And when I say you need a village, don't think farm-out village. Like, don't think the coaches and the after-school programs and the sports programs and the... Don't think a village in terms of all the people that may have influence in your kids' lives that you drop them off with I want you to think village in terms of who are the intentional people that you have placed in your kids' lives that you want your kids to look up to and respect. Like this is an intentional, you know, again, going back to that Christ-centered fellowship and community, who is it that you are putting in your kids' lives intentionally that we're having and we want to be the village for one another. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Last week, we talked about understanding the ch- our, ch- our children's and our child's developmental phase, uh, uh, cycles and stages. Right that you can go to the website justaphase.com. we've shared that with you. it's part of the curriculum that we use for our um, family ministry, but justaphase.com lets you walk through those early you know toddler uh, years, uh, early elementary years, middle school years, high school years. The blog itself is just an awesome thing to kind of follow this past week I was uh, catching up with some of the blogs and it was like, you know, Things your first grader needs to know as they go to class, you know. And I was like, "Well, this is so perfect for me, right? Like, this is just like, think, you know, quick reads. It's got great, great resources there for you, just like we have on our website for you. Uh, but you got to take advantage of those things, right? They're, they're, they're really good. That what you sh- what Donnie shared last week in terms of just not only the the brain development and the physical and psychological development of how this works in stages for your kids, but I love the fact that he shared. Look, this is a big deal because at every stage of your kids lives you're going to run into and encounter the nature and the nurture aspect of raising kids you're going to run into their flesh right Their, their, their 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 heart You're going to run into that, and you're going to run into, hopefully, if you're raising them, as we would encourage you to raise them, in uh, the knowledge of the Lord, you're hopefully going to also experience the Holy Spirit. And so you're going to have this nature-nurture thing you're going to see in your kids as you see them develop, and as they grow, and in in, in every stage. And so that's just, I mean, I couldn't be more, uh, just love the fact that we, we dove into that last week. Today, we're going to talk again a little specifically about an element of that, But in terms of how are we actually kind of pointing our kids down this sort of direction we want them to go, and what does it look like, and how exactly do we do it? Because one of the theme verses for the series is from Proverbs 22, 6, and it says, direct your kids, your children, direct your children onto the right path, okay? So if there's a right path, there's got to be a wrong path, there are many wrong paths, right? but there's a right path, and when they're older, they won't leave it. Now, I tell people this all the time. Proverbs are not promises. Everybody just say that out loud with me, right? Proverbs are not promises, right? They're not. Proverbs are wisdom around the ideals and instructions that God has given us, that he has given us for a reason to produce some of the outcomes that he's called us to. But that doesn't mean that, it, it doesn't take out free will, it doesn't take out the individual. It does, there's no formulaic way to say, do this, do this, do this, and bam, you got this perfect little Jesus kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not gonna happen, right? But there, but there's this idea that he says, look, there's wisdom around the idea of continuing to direct them, down this path so that they won't leave it when they get older. What does that look like? What does that mean? It means something like this. This is from the Psalms. It says, we're not going to hide these truths from our children, but we're going to tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. That's part of how we direct our kids. We want to tell them about the goodness of God and the work that he's done and what he's doing in our lives, let alone what he's done in in our lifetime, what he's doing personally for us, which is why we kind of, again, we kind of intentionally had different people sharing throughout the series because we're not experts. None of us up here hold any psychological degrees and experts of raising children. If we did, I wouldn't listen to us anyway, right? Like it's, it's, you know, it's six and one half does the other. It's, it's for us, it's, we're just fellow travelers on this journey with you, Pastor Chris was sharing with you the first week. He's got you know really early elementary kids right now, and little baby Cooper with with them, and they're just kind of figuring stuff out. Uh, Donnie shared last week. He's got three, all his, three of his girls are in their twenties now. He's got a couple new son in laws. He's starting to parent, you know, and I'm across the board really. I mean, our, ours ranges from. Uh, My oldest just got dropped off at college. So she's a freshman in college. My oldest left for college. I have a 16-year-old. He's wandering around here. You'll see him. He he looks like he wants to bench press everything. you know. And so he's my man-child. He's 16. And then I have a two-year-old, a seven-year-old, or sorry, second grader, a seven-year-old. And she was gifted with her father's voice of projection. And so you'll hear her at some point today. I can promise you, you can Get quiet and hear her now. Um, But she was gifted. So we have, you know, we're kind of across the board, but we're just fellow travelers with you. We're not speaking from a standpoint of expertise. But we are, as pastors and as leaders, we do pick things up along the way. We're paying attention to trends and we're paying attention to kind of the reminders of God. That the reminder is, yeah, direct your kids this way. And their wisdom is that they're not going to leave it. If you put an anchor in their heart, that that even though the wind of life is going to take them to and fro, we we trust in the anchor. We trust in that anchor, especially if it's the Holy Spirit. We trust in that anchor to hold them to the truth of the Word of God. But we have to tell them. We have to direct them down that way. Now, two primary approaches to trying to direct children, hear these words, I call them two things. You've heard me probably talk about these things. It's behavior modification versus character development. Now, it's not an either-or because both tend to be something that parents are invested in, but we also will default to one or the other, depending on usually the the stage of the kid's life or who we are. We'll we'll kind of lean towards one more than the other. It's not like we're not interested in both. But let me give you the working definitions of what I mean when I talk about, you know, changing behavior, behavior modification, and when I talk about character development. When I talk about behavior modification, I'm talking about the alteration of behavioral patterns through negative reinforcement, right? Through fear and through comparison. And I would even throw up maybe a fourth one like manipulation, which is part of that negative reinforcement. You know, I can, it's called playing the short game. I can get my kids to do just about anything once I know either how to put the fear in them, uh, how to reward them, right? Stick and carrot, you know, depends on what works. You get to know your kids. Uh, I can manipulate their emotions. I can do all those things and, and win little short short games, right? I can win at the short game, which is kind of alter behavior, alter behavior, alter behavior, but it doesn't work in the long haul. It doesn't, doesn't have the same legacy that you really are wanting. I talk about character development this way, that it's the development of a conscience of moral concepts of religious values and social attitudes all by modeling these behaviors or those behaviors so see the see the phrase i'm using here it's not that behaviors don't matter i mean like you know most parents are going to be like behaviors matter okay but the modeling of behavior when i say modeling i want you to hear the fullness of that it's not just do what i do it's not just do what i you know like walk this way make this you know do this action like i'm doing this action it's the modeling of it is the idea that you are actually intentionally you know telling them about it you're actually helping them understand it you're actually helping them understand the reasoning behind it does that make sense so when you're modeling or something you're really truly in a healthy way modeling something the person doesn't just see the behavior they see the why behind the behavior they see, the, they see the reasoning, they see the thinking, they see the, and that's what we want to do. We don't want our children just to model some sort of action. We want them to be able to think for themselves. We want them to be able to process and reason as they grow up. But again, I was, again, back end of the early 70s or, you know, mid-70s, late, mid-80s, that's when I was being raised. This was very much, you know, the, the time frame, you know, do as I, what's fill in the blank, do as I what? Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Right. Do as I say, not as I do. Like I'm, I'm on the back end of when there were actual advertisements that said things like four out of five doctors, you know, choose to smoke camel, you know, for this reason. Right. Like, I mean, we're talking about that was a very true thing. And so, and so this idea of like disconnecting the modeling or the behavior of, of, of adults, but then the, you know, as, as you're, as you're parenting, like just do what I say. Just do what I direct you to do. Just, just, just do that. It's almost like we want our kids to be the results of a list of things, right? We want our kids to be the results of like a, a great, you know, beautiful picture and list of how we want them to look. And I find that really amusing because that's sometimes how we think God looks at us. But for honestly, like, like how many of you guys have house rules in your house? Don't hear me say this is bad, by the way. I actually like house rules if you have them posted in your house or whatever. This is some stuff I pulled offline of several years ago. I love these. This is a, an example of house rules that I actually really like, these examples. These are great. You know, be respectful, be honest, you know, be great. Like I think these are good things to shoot for. I, matter of fact, be responsible. Let me just read this one. It says, accept the consequences of your actions. Apologize, ask for help. Clean up your own mess and think of others before you act. I mean, most of the adults in my life need this. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a great definition of be responsible. And I love the fact that this particular list really does have kind of a a leaning towards the becoming aspect of who your children are becoming, not just a, a list of do's and don'ts. Now, there are house rules that look like this. This one's called House Rules So Far. Because, you know, several of these had to be made along the way. And I'll give you a few that I really like. Uh, number 12 says, no fighting before mom has coffee. <laughs> All right, that's a, that's a good one, right? Now 20, you know this was a rule that had to be, that at some point wasn't there and had to be made. 20 says, you have to wear pants when you have friends over. <laughs> and that's a good rule. Let's just go ahead and say it. that's a good rule for everybody, I also, when I went down further, I also went down and said, don't draw on anyone. That's a, that's a rule that definitely got made after somebody got drawn on, right? Don't draw on anyone. No playing with real knives. Like, it's just, there's all there's all sorts of rules. And as and, and again, it's not that these things are bad, but just, here's what happens. The majority of us, followers of Christ in the room, you don't know this, but you might default parent the way you believe our Heavenly Father parents you you might default parent the way you view how God wants to parent you and if you are consumed with you think the Bible and every time you read the Bible and the churches and pastors and it's just a whole lot of rules and lists of do's and don't do's and he cares more about your behavior because you just keep messing up and then pastors and churches got to keep making up new rules because you guys keep messing up, you will tend to parent that way. If you think the spiritual growth is about behavior modification, you will tend to parent that way. Or when we really do understand that God, God parents us, our heavenly father parents us by helping transform our mind. By actually developing that character within us, that he cares far more about who you and I are becoming than about what we did or did not do. Do both matter? Yes. But he actually works through our behavior by starting with our character. And so for us, as we kind of get into this today, I want to I want you to hear that from me because I believe you hear this from God, and especially modeled from God, directing is important. It's why we have the word of God. It's why we teach it. It's why we read it. It's why why it needs to be said. It needs to be repeated. You know, your parents have to tell children again, hey, what did I just say to you, right? Repeat what I just said to you. Oh, I see a lot of nods in here. Yeah, repeat what I just said. Because directing is necessary. It's important. But modeling is necessary. If you want to parent... And, you want, and you're investing in who your children are becoming, then it has to be modeled in you. It cannot be a do as I do and you know, do as I say and not as I do. You have to model the experiences that you are having as you grow in your faith and as you grow in your character with God, because he is parenting you as well. So uh, modeling is necessary. And a matter of fact, I believe this is, you'll, you've probably heard me read this before, but it's the go to passage I go back to. It's, it's Moses talking to the children of, of Israel, to the Jewish nation, through, and, he, and he's just trying to tell them, like, you guys have to get this. Okay, directing is important, but modeling is necessary. He goes on here, and this is Moses to the, to the Jewish nation. He says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. He says, You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands that I'm giving you. You have to have devotion is what that means. But why? Because you're going to repeat them again and again to your kids, to the next generation. You're going to talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. He says, why? You're going to tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. There's going to be, they're going to be physically represented. You're going to write them on the doorposts of your homes and your gates, where you go, where you dwell. He says, this is something that you're going to do, this devotion to God, first and foremost, to love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. To do this is going to be done in a way that models it for the next generation. You know, it's, it's not just a list of locations. Moses is trying to say it's everywhere all the time. It's everywhere all the time. If it was written today, we'd have all the extra things in there, right? We'd have like, you know, when you're at work and when you're on the carpool line and when you're at the sporting event and when you're tailgating and when you're on vacation. Like we would list them all. You're going to repeat these things again and again. You're going to talk about what God's doing in your life. You're going to talk about how you're growing. You're going to talk about what he cares about. You're going to help them by modeling and and, and directing. You're going to help them understand the reason that you're investing in their character. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. Now, I know lists are good, and I know that to some degree it's helpful to have some, just some tips and some do this and don't do that. So I'm going to give you a really quick list, okay, just to help a little bit. There's some great resources that we point you towards on our website in terms of family ministry resources. Uh, these are a couple books. They're called Grace-Based Parenting by Dr. Tim Kimmel. It's a great, phenomenal book to read. And then and then his daughter, his oldest daughter actually uh, helped write a second book or a follow-up book called Grace Pl- Grace-based discipline. To kind of not just take the foundation of grace-based parenting but nearly narrow in on the discipline side of things. But these are great great books to read and great resources. I'm going to go ahead and give you four things or actually five things that I wrote down when I went through these books years ago that I've sort of kept around me because they've just they've just been something that's like I just need to be reminded of these do's and don't and and don't do right. Parents, this is four things very quickly. We need to, all parents need to stop doing this, right? And I know you guys know this. I'm just just it's just a reminder today, right? Don't correct or punish out of anger. Don't correct or punish out of anger. We're going to talk about what that means: correct or punish out of anger, because um, we lean sometimes one way or the other, but. It, this is, a, I used to hear this as a kid, and I used to think that what they meant was, you know, when a when kid spills something or the kid does something wrong, you're going to be angry about it. So don't punish them out of the anger about what they did. And now that I'm a parent, I know that that's not at all what they meant, okay? What they meant was, is that I, you and I, are going to live in constant state of things that we don't express very well, we're going to be frustrated with something at work. We're going to be angry about something else. We're going to be mad that mom said this in a text to us and didn't write us back. We're going to be upset that people betrayed us in this relationship. We're going to be, we're going to be living our lives and days with things that aren't in a healthy way expressed. And then my kid's going to spill something and I'm going to lose my garbage on them. Everybody with me? That's what we mean. It basically is saying, do not allow your, and this is Don talking last week about the amygdala hijack and all that. I mean, again, it all goes back to this, but don't, don't allow the, maybe the unhealthy emotional state that you're in, especially when it's anger, you know, especially when it's anxiety, do not parent out of that and do not discipline out of that because all your kids are going to see is I can never drop a cup again, Right? Like for whatever reason, that made mom the most angry. A- and you never got a chance to tell your kid, I'm really angry about the Yahoo that just cut me off and dinged my fender, right? Because you you, again, as adults, we're just not all that healthy in expressing our emotions. So we can't discipline out of any state of anger, frustration, anxiety, worry, fear that we happen to be sitting in. Don't use shame or guilt for desired outcomes, all right? We can for the short haul, again, for short little wins. Every single one of us can use shame and guilt to get our kid to do something we want them to do. Every one of us can do it. But I want you to hear me. I'm going to say it twice just so you really hear me. God does not use shame and guilt to get you to do what he wants you to do, that is what the enemy does. Do not be the enemy to your children. Everybody with me? I'm gonna say it again just to be on the, on the just so you really get it. God does not use shame and guilt to get you to do the things he wants you to do. Okay? The Holy Spirit will convict you, but that's something very different. He does not use shame and guilt. That is a tactic and a tool of Satan. Do not be a picture of Satan to your children. Because you want the short win, you want the quick fix you want the behavior nipped. Stop that. Here's the last two. Don't mistake resistance for defiance and do not mistake curiosity for rebellion or even sinful behavior. Like, I don't know if you guys know this. Parents in the room do. It's almost like our kid's job to resist, you know? And even if it's not, they work at it like it's their job, okay? Like to push boundaries, to push back, to kind of elbow out to the fringe. Like, it's just part of that growing up. It's part of their development as they kind of like to push those edges. Do not assign motive to it. That's the problem. You're with me? When you assign motive that it's defiance, you're, you're going to shortchange your kid. It's, you're going to shortchange their development because they need to be able to express that kind of those, those you, want to, you don't want to stop resistance, you want to guide resistance. You want to help guide resistance. Same with curiosity. We actually posted this online this morning at Journey Church. It said, never give up your holy curiosity. We want you, even as adults, to continue to ask questions. Don't lose that curiosity. I don't know what happened when, when, when little kids are all curious, and it's like, oh, it's so cute, where parents were like, look how curious they are. It's fantastic. And they get to be like teenagers and teenagers, and that curiosity, we're like, mm, shut that down, <laughs> right? Like, shut it down. Shut it all the way down. No, we want to we guide them. Don't assume sinful behavior. Don't, don't assign motives to them. You want to help you know, guide them in this. You want to help guide them in that resistance. Guide them in this. And then the fifth one that I, I wrote down this is from grace based parenting and from discipline. They say this in both of them. And I've written it down and highlighted and bolded it. We discipline to correct, don't punish for control. Okay? And, and it's literally written down this way for me we discipline to correct. Don't punish to control. Let's all say it out loud together. Ready? We discipline to correct. Don't punish to control. Now, this might be harder if you've got some controlling issues and tendencies. But but for me, I really had to kind of like get a hold of this, especially when all my kids were younger. And I think Charlie might not even born yet. And I, I mean, you know, there was, no, there was a fine line for me between correction and, and punishment because I I did want to control things. I mean, I wanted to control the outcomes of things, and I had to start really understanding that discipline is a corrective nature. It's it's what God does with us. God doesn't punish us. Even Even when he wants us to experience the consequences of our bad decisions, it's not because he wants to punish us. It's because he wants to correct, again, the wrong path and get us back on the right path. And so for even for my kids, I, you know to a certain degree, I don't want to shield my kids from every single consequence they need to experience, especially while they're in my home. I want, I want to have a safe place for them to experience and actually have to feel the pain and the pinch of consequences so that they'll learn, so that it's a corrective way to help guide them onto the right path. So those are just, those are just some quick lists, guys. I mean, again, we're really focusing on this idea of character development, not just behavioral Modification. But if there's a lot of things we just by default are doing, we need to check ourselves and and, and be reminded that these are the things that don't work. They work maybe again, they get little short, tiny wins, but they don't work for the long haul. And then when you really start thinking about the way in which God kind of parents us in our character development, sowing seeds into us in terms of transformation. You know, there's a great passage about this, and and for some reason, we always apply this to adults, and we don't think to apply it to our children. This is Paul writing the church, writing Christians to the church in Galatia. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Again, he was talking about the rules. He's like, There's no rules for or against these things. These are just things produced because of who you are. And those who belong to Christ, well, they've nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there because, uh, because our flesh has to be surrendered. Did, Pastor Don talked about this last week. Our flesh has to be surrendered. But he goes on to say, but because we're living by the Spirit, then we're going to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Because this is how God parents us. This is how he parents us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to actually produce in us kindness, joy, love, patience, long-suffering. Like, I mean, go down the list. This is what he does for us. So why would we not consider the same thing when we talk about our children? Are our children experiencing... the fruit of the the Holy Spirit in their life. Now understand, when your child is young and makes a confession of faith, they're surrendering their life to Christ to the degree that they can understand it. And I want everybody to know, we, we, we understand the fact that when children are growing in faith, initially they are growing in your faith, right? They are on the coattails, so to speak, of your faith, which is, again, why modeling is so important. And then when they get a little bit older, It's when they begin to make their faith their own, right? But that doesn't change the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. So our prayer as parents is not just, man, I wish my kid would stop doing that and messing up and blah, 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 blah. But our prayer is actually like, God, like like the Holy Spirit's got to be able to do a work in their heart. And my job as a parent, as I model behavior, correct behavior, is to help reason with them and help them understand why we want to do those things that way, why it's supposed to look this way, why is our response supposed to look that way? But that can't happen if it's not happening in you. That can't happen if God is not parenting you. You've surrendered those those desires of the flesh to the cross. You've surrendered that and are now following the Spirit. The NIV actually says step-by-step. I love the way NIV says that. It's a step-by-step following with the Spirit to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives most people believe, I'm going to show you two statements, most people believe that both of these statements are true. And most of us parent this way, that the right behaviors assures a closer walk with God. And that a closer walk or walking closely with God produces the right behaviors. We actually parent as if both of those are true and we will lean one way or the other depending on the moment, depending on what we need. But guys, only one of those statements is actually true. Only one of those statements is actually true. Because behaviors do not assure anything. Getting your kid to do the right thing and to not do the wrong thing does not assure a relationship with Christ. It does not assure that they're going to draw close to God. It doesn't assure anything. But if your heart is for your kids to draw close to God, you're going to see behavior. All the time? No. Perfectly? Never. Right? How do I know that's true? Because you don't do it perfectly. But I'm telling you that if you come at this from parenting, and you come at this from a modeling aspect of modeling the fruit of the Spirit in your life to them, helping them understand and reason and understand, like them them walking closely with God is going to produce, it's what the Scripture tells us, the behavior you really want to see. But, but the right behavior does not assure that, right? Like, the, like an apple doesn't produce a tree. I mean, scientifically it does. Don't go there. But you know what I'm trying to say? Not, not immediately. Not meant, doesn't manifest, right? The tree produces the apple. The, 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 the character development and the walking closer with God is what we want. And what Scripture promises us will lead towards this fruit of the Spirit. Again, perfectly? No you're still gonna have to have times of behavior modification, especially when they're young. You know, smack that hand, do what you gotta do. Stop it, don't touch that again. Why, because kids are, you know, all children. We're, we're all dumb, right? Like we're all, we're all just flying by the seat of our pants. You know, you gotta have some little moments of behavior modification. Don't hear me say that it's not part of it. But never lean into behavior modification. Never lean that way. Because again, if you start with behavior, guess what you end with? Behavior. Right? You don't end with anything else. If you start with just trying to correct behavior, you, your, your result is behavior. If you start with their heart, if you start with their character, if you start with this desire to see them experience the fruit of the spirit, and I promise you, the behavior comes. Like I'm getting, it is helpful as my kids get a little bit older, like my daughter and my son. And I mean, I see it some with Parker, with Charlie too, but when I'm the most proud as a dad, and I probably could have said this years ago because I didn't quite get it, but now, you know the times that I'm most proud as a dad? It's not when my kids do things right, okay? I mean, if my kids do things right, it's kind of like, great, that's what you were expected to do. You know, you want a cookie for every time? No. We don't do that at my house, right? You do things right, great. But it's sometimes when I see my kids respond in a way that that I get to have a conversation with them and kind of hear maybe the reasoning behind that or the thoughts behind that. And I'm actually seeing their character. And I'm actually beginning to see fruits of the Spirit. That's when I'm the most proud as a dad. That's when I'm the most proud as a dad. Because that's what I've been sowing into their whole lives, sowing into the why we behave this way, the why we do this. And our kids have to see it. Our kids have to see it. We need to model this for them and for the next generation. Now, when I thought about legacy, this was how I was ending the series in in my head. I thought about you know, great verses about legacy in terms of God's people and chosen people, and I started thinking about some great verses about kind of the challenge, again, of just what are we called to do? And I just, I'll never forget several years ago, the church, we were doing the Psalms, uh, we were doing the read through the Psalms in the summer. And I was reading through the Psalms and the message paraphrase. And I took a whole bunch of notes and copied verses out because I just love uh, message paraphrase. I love Eugene Peterson's work. But uh, I'll never forget coming across this thing because this is one of those verses that if you stop halfway, it's like, yay, you know? But if you go the full way, you're like, ooh, you know? It's almost a verse of basically saying, like, let's not be these people, okay? So here it is. This is, again, this is the message paraphrase of Psalm uh, 78 which is what I read earlier to you. It says, command your parents to teach it to their children, right? To the next generation so that they would know and that all the generations to come would know. Know what? Know the truth and tell the stories so that their children can trust God and never forget the works of God, but keep his commands to the letter. Doesn't that sound good? Like that's what you want. This is what it actually was saying. Heaven forbid they should ever be like their parents. Bullheaded and bad and fickle and faithless bunch who never stayed true to God. Oh, man, that just hits me. That just hits me. What is the next generation going to say about this generation of not just their parents, but their parents' friends and their parents' circle and their parents' village and the church that they belong to? What is that next generation going to say about us? Are they going to say... These are people who told of the wonders and the miracles and the, and, and the work of God and the greatness of God, and we respected them. They sewed into our character. Or are they going to be like those parents? Fickle, bad, bullheaded, right? Arguing about politics more than about the things that matter. Arguing about this, fear, if living their lives in fear and never staying true to God. Like, God, we don't want that. I don't want that to be said of my legacy with my kids. I don't want that to be said of the people that we've put in their life in terms of the village that we've surrounded ourselves with. I don't want that to be said of our church. I want our church to be the church that's investing and modeling for the next generation. Yes, we are going to direct them. We're going to tell them. We're going to speak the words. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to declare it over them. But we're also going to, more importantly, right, because directing is important, but more importantly, we're going to model it for them. We're going to model the mountaintops, right? This is what it's like to praise God. This is what it looks like to understand the blessing of God, everything and enough, enough and plenty. Like this is what it looks like. But we're also going to talk about the valleys with our kids. So that when your kids see you worried and anxious, that you're able to tell your children, you know what? You know, guys, mom is worried about this and I'm, and I'm letting anxiety get control of me listen, guys, even when mommy's anxious, I have to be reminded that God has it under control. Even when mom's worried, I have to to be reminded by God that that God has this. You know? Dads have to say, look, I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I took it out on you because you spilled that cup of juice and I'm sorry. You know what, guys? daddy Daddy is right now just having a hard time remembering where his joy comes from. And God's having to remind me that my joy is supposed to come from Him, not from my work, not from these things, but from Him. We have to share both the valleys and the mountains with our kids because that's what modeling is. Modeling is for them, not just behavior, but the why and the reason behind it. And I want that to be true of everybody here. I want that to be true of you as parents. I want that to be true of you guys as as you are living out for the next generation in our church. That they saw a people, a church, a group, influences in their life that stayed true to God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way your word just challenges us, and God, I'm so thankful for today that that we can come in here. and. and be just transformed a little bit more by the renewing of our mind, by the reminders of the things in your word that, that, we, that we need to remember how you parent us and love and sow those seeds of transformation and, and into, our, into our character and who we are becoming because that is what your Holy Spirit is working on. You don't come with us with a list of things so far that Matt needs to work on. That's just not how you parent. And so, God, for the parents in the room, I pray that you would just help us and and continue to guide us in this this journey of parenting for the long haul, of leaving a legacy of faith that we would sow into the character of our kids, that we would begin to pray for the fruit of the Spirit to be manifest in their life. And thank God that those would be the moments that we're the most proud, that that we experience the most joy as a parent is watching our kids. They're not going to do it perfectly, but God, that they would just be growing in you. I pray that for all the parents in the room. And God, I I just thank you again for today. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.